Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hello, everyone. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here. Thanks for being here today. Hey, um, I want to give a quick update on a partnership that we have over in Africa. So many of you have heard about the New Generation Dreamland Children's Home. These are about 120 kids who are orphaned from uh, South Sudan, and they're in a refugee camp in Uganda. Um, about a month ago, their leader, Pastor Stanley, our partner, uh, died from COVID. And so the, the, the children's home has kind of been in a little disarray since then. And so I've been in contact with some of the older kids, just asking, is there anything we can do to be helpful? And one of the things that they shared with me was that uh, a few months ago, we sent money to buy clothing, these bundles of clothing uh, for the kids, but they were like smaller clothes. And so they fit all of the younger kids, but the 45 oldest kids didn't have any clothes. So we were able to send money over to buy them all an outfit. Here's a few pictures of the older kids with their new clothes. So they were kind of excited about that. Um, also, on top of that, I said, what else can we be helpful with? Uh, they said that the, the toilets were overflowing and they needed to be pumped out. So we uh, sent money for that too and also bought them some medicine as well. So that all comes out of that 10%. So as you guys financially support the church, we set aside 10% for local outreach and international missions. And uh, we're able to be generous because of your generosity. So thank you guys for that. On top of that, um, we are going to be going over there, myself and Ben, who was on vocals here, my son, and then Emma, who just did announcements. Uh, she's our outreach and missions intern. So the three of us are going to be going over to Africa next month. So on October 3rd, that Sunday afternoon, we'll be flying over there for a week. And I would really appreciate your prayers as we go over there to get our feet on the ground and see and assess what their needs are. And then we'll be taking a bunch of cash with us because of your generosity. Hopefully nobody online is seeing that and is going to ambush us on the way, right? But um, we'll be taking money along to be able to meet needs as soon as we get there. So um, thank you guys again for your generosity and we would appreciate your prayers. Okay, to open up today's message, I have a short video by comedian John. I'm sorry, John Christ, go ahead and watch this. All right, Sunday morning, we gotta find a church to go to. It should be easy, there were a bunch when we were driving Seems there. like there was one on every block. It can't be that hard, right? They're everywhere. Put your seatbelt on. We're still in the parking lot. Well, you know I worry. Okay. Okay, here's one up here. Listen, Church, Church of, of Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. That's us. Of Latter-day Saints. Nah. Okay, no. Can't do that. Okay, here we go, right here. Oh, I love the funny church signs. What's that say? What is it? Uh, choose the bread of life or your toast. No. Oh. I'm gluten-free. I can't go there. Okay. Is that Echo Church? I don't know. The churches with the nightclub names, I don't love those. Plus, we're a new creation, and we both came out of that lifestyle. Yes. Praise him, raise him. Okay, what about that one, United Pentecostal Church? Okay, well, you're not getting in there. You're wearing pants, so for sure, no. Oh, I forgot my long denim skirt. You're right. Plus, you're wearing too much makeup. What? No, for the denomination. They got a thing about women and makeup I and don't stuff. Think they do. No, you look great. I'm just saying it's not just for to the, for there. Yeah. You should stop talking. Oh, is that Iglesia de Cristo? Really? With the accent? Let's not do this. Well, I've been using Rosetta Stone. You don't speak Spanish. We're not going to a Spanish-speaking church. I kind of speak Spanish. You don't. 
Well, I like traditional. I like okay. neutrals. Got it. Yep. I don't want something too progressive. Sure. I don't like steeples, but I also don't like strip malls. Okay, so like something in the middle. Okay, potential church? Yeah, maybe next year. Okay. You didn't get the joke. It's not funny. Oh, what about Kingdom Hall of Jehovah's Witnesses? I don't know how it works there with visitors. Can we just walk in or do we have to knock first? That was dumb. Come on, that's hilarious! Cathedral of St. Peter? I don't know, is that is that Catholic? I don't know, how can you tell? I don't know, with the Catholic Church, you always need to look for the keywords. Saint, Perpetual, Sacred Heart, anything Guadalupe related, if we're not in Mexico, for me is a no-go. Well, what about like a mega church? I don't want like a mega church. I'm out on any church that has like cops directing okay, two traffic. two hands on the wheel. Please. It has cops directing traffic. I'm out. It's going to take forever to get to lunch. Okay, you're right. All right, here we go. Look, New Hope Church of God. We can do that, right? Church of God. Is that the one with no instruments? I think, uh, is that Church of Christ? Oh, no, it's Church of Christ. I grew up Church of Christ. We couldn't even wear tank tops. No thanks. Okay, good. Great voices though. Great acapella. I'd still rather. Oh, Jericho's House of Praise. What, are we just going to drive around it seven times? Maybe then we'll decide. What? It's a joke. Read your Bible. Okay, what about this tabernacle? Okay, as a general rule, tabernacles, cathedrals, temples, synagogues are all out. At least a synagogue would have a yarmulke to put on that hair. Okay. Oh, here we go. Is that Hillsong? Thank you. Lead me to the cross. <laughs> this is perfect. Let's go. Oh, babe, we're on vacation. I didn't bring my skinny jeans. We can't go to Hillsong. Yeah, but those have holes in them. They look fine. What? No. I definitely can't wear that Tommy Hilfiger shirt. What do you have on underneath What's that? This? I wear it to the office. No. I don't know, like a V-neck or oh, something. Oh, yeah. Like just wear the V-neck and put these on. These glasses? They don't have lenses Trust in them. Me. Why? Yeah, you look like Carl Lentz. What? Okay. Okay, you know what? Not going here. Well, he's an attractive man. We're going to brunch. So that was a, you know, a funny video on finding a church, but uh, there was a lot of truth in there, wasn't there? You know, as we try to find a church, finding a church can be really difficult. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I think we've all been there. I remember, <clears throat> so I grew up Mennonite up in Michigan. I went to a different church in Sturgis, a charismatic church for a season. And then when I got a job at Memorial Hospital, I moved down here and I began searching for a church. And it was hard. It was hard to find a church home. In fact, there was one church that I went to. Someone had recommended it. I went in, sat down. And when church service started, I knew I was already in trouble because there were only about 17 people there. And so I wasn't blending in at all. And they all knew I was the new person. And, uh, and then during worship, some crazy things, like people were running up and down the aisle. It was a little crazy. And I was just like, I just need to get out of here. Um, the message went on forever, like kind of like it's going to happen today. It's just going to go on forever. <laughs> I hope not. Anyway, so it went really long. And, and as he was wrapping up, I'm like, okay, it's time to go. But then the pastor stood up and said, I have a prophetic word for someone. Guess who? The new guy, right? I mean, so they called me out, had me go up, gave me some prophetic word. It was crazy. I was talking to someone between services uh, and who had was here first service, and they said that during a church service, no joke, they sat there and the plate was passed to them, offering plate, seven times. Like, so ushers, would you guys bring it up? We're way behind on that, so we got to get that... No, we don't pass a plate here. But yeah, so you can visit a church and you can realize within like, you know, the first few minutes or maybe halfway through the first time that this isn't a church for you. And then there are those churches you visit and you go for like three weeks, four weeks, five weeks. And then you're like, oh, they do that. Or I don't, 
I don't believe what they said there. And so you realize that that's not your church. And then there are those churches that you attend for like six months to a year before you realize that you don't fit in. I mean, it can be painful to find a church home. So here's my question for you. Why do we bother? Why do we bother searching for a church home knowing that it will will be a painful process? Or better yet, once we find a church home and we're like, I really feel like this is where God's called us to be. We agree with everything. We like being here. But then over time, you realize that the pastor's not perfect. Here it takes about three weeks. And then you'll realize, (laughs) if that, the pastor's not perfect. Or you realize, oh, they did a song I didn't like. Or the coffee just wasn't quite hot enough. And so, you know, the question is, so why do we keep attending church knowing at some point we're probably going to be disappointed? Well, today, many people are answering that question by not attending church any longer. You know, they've decided that I'm just no longer going to try to attend a church home. And this was a problem before the pandemic. In 2019, they did a survey, and they found out that the definition of regular attendance, what people would say, I regularly attend a church, was at three out of eight times. So three out of eight. Now think about that. That means that they one month went every other week, and then the next month they maybe went one time, and they felt like that was a regular attendance of that church. And now since the pandemic, of course, uh, most churches, their attendance is down by 50%. Uh, there's been several churches that have closed their doors. And here at Lighthouse, I mean, it's, it's definitely affected us. Before the pandemic, we were running about 200 people every weekend. And uh, the last few weeks, last month or so, our average is about 160 people. And uh, what you might think, that's not bad, 160, but... We have many people who are new in the last year. So we've lost quite a few people that were attending the church a year and a half ago. So where did they go? Where did they go? Some of those people are probably attending another church. Some people have decided that uh, they just want to attend church by themselves. But across America, I would say most of the people who are no longer attending churches had decided that they don't need church for their spiritual well-being. In fact, I I, I talked to one individual who had left our church, wasn't coming uh, during the pandemic, and I asked him, I said, so, hey, did you get vaccinated? Are you going to come back? You know, and his, his comment to me was, he said, yeah, me and my wife, we're just not into it anymore. And so they were new followers of Jesus, and they just completely walked away from the church. Well, let me submit this to you. I believe that consistently attending a church family is vitally important to our spiritual health. I truly believe that. Yes, we can be a follower of Jesus without attending a church. We can, but I would say it's very difficult to live out our faith all by ourselves. The church is God's solution to keeping his children healthy and moving his kingdom forward. So we're going to spend the next seven weeks or so talking about the church. Why do we attend the church? 
What's the value of meeting together? And so our message series is called Gathered Together, Revisiting the Purpose of the Church. Why should we sacrifice our time, our money, our energy to be part of a church family? And my hope is by the end of this series, we all understand how important the local church is and how important it is for each one of us to be committed to a church family. So our key scripture for this series is in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. It's verses 24 and 25. I think they're on your handout. We'll also have them up on the screen. And I just love these two verses. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Actually, I'm going to do something we don't normally do is I'm going to have everybody stand and we're going to read this together. Because we just need these two verses just to sink into our souls. So let's read it it together. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let me pray. Father, I pray that you would be with us as we start on this series. God, I I know how important the church is to you. The church is called the bride of Christ and is so important to you. So God, I pray that you would help me and our other teachers through this series to communicate your heart to our church family as to why we should be committed to, why we should attend, why we should invite others to be part of this family. So give me your words to speak. And Lord, I pray that you give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys may be seated. Thanks for standing. All right, two points. You can fill these in on your handout if you would like. We should not give up meeting together because, number one, it has worked for centuries. It has worked for centuries. The church is not a new institution. It's been around for centuries. It's helped Christians work out their faith for thousands of years. So we're going to start by taking a look at the history of the church. Uh, When did it start? How did we get to where we are today? So first of all, we're going to go back to the Old Testament, to the book of Exodus. This is the first mention of a type of church. It was the original tabernacle. So in Exodus chapter 25, verse 8 God is telling Moses how to create this tabernacle. And he says, then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. So God's original desire and design for the church was to dwell among us, to be with us. So this is an image of a replica of the tabernacle. This is over in Timnah Park, Israel. So it's really just a tent with kind of a courtyard around it. It has altar, lampstands, has the Ark of the Covenant in it. It was referred to as the tent of meeting because that's where Moses would meet with God face to face. Uh, As you can see, it's temporary, it's portable. 
and the Israelites would set it up and then they would tear it down and they would move to another place and they would set it up. And they carried this around with them for 40 years. So that was the original tabernacle. And they carried it with them throughout the wilderness when they were wandering in the wilderness. And they would set up all their tents around it. Now, about three to 400 years later, King David wanted to build a permanent structure for God. He wanted to replace the tabernacle with a temple. This is what he said in 1 Chronicles chapter 17. He says, after David was settled in, this, in his palace, he said to Nathan the prophet, here I am living in a house of cedar while the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent. So David had just built this humongous temp or, uh, palace for himself, and he felt bad. He's like, but God's in this tent. I want to build a temple, a building for God. And so he talked to the prophet Nathan. The prophet Nathan heard from God and said, your son Solomon will build the temple, um, but not you. So David went ahead and, and designed it, and he put together all of the articles of gold and silver and all the designs for the new temple. And after he died, Solomon became king. And so Solomon built the first temple. It took seven years. This is what an, an image of what it looked like. And it was built on Mount Moriah in Jerusalem. This is where it was believed that Abraham almost sacrificed his son Isaac. If you remember that story in the Old Testament. So yeah, so it took seven years to build. And then he had this huge, huge dedication ceremony. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, it says, when Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. So once again, God showed up in, he was in the tabernacle, and now he was in the temple as well, because God's desire is to be with us, to dwell with us. Now, this temple was destroyed by the Babylonians in 587 BC. And then in 538 BC, the Persians conquered the Babylonians and they allowed the Jews to go back to Jerusalem and to rebuild the temple. And if you want to read about that, that's in the book of Ezra in the Old Testament. And Zero, Zero Bubble is his name, Zero Bubble. It's an interesting name. But he was the guy who led the rebuilding project. And it was finished in about 515 BC. Now, over the next several hundred years, the temple was desecrated. It was plundered. It was destroyed again and again. But starting in about 20 BC, Herod the Great, as a gift to the, the Hebrews, he's a Roman and they were ruling over the Hebrews, um, he rebuilt the temple. And he finished it in 26 AD. And if you look at the timeline, Jesus was alive during that time while it was being rebuilt. And his public preaching and teaching was after the temple had been completely rebuilt. And the Jews were very proud of the temple. And there's that one statement, if you remember, where Jesus said that not one rock will be left on top of itself, that the temple would be destroyed again. Well, it did happen just a few years later in 70 AD. The Romans ended up destroying this temple in response to a Jewish revolt because they knew that the temple was so important to the Jews, so they destroyed it to try to get them not to revolt. 
So that was a quick overview of the tabernacle and the temple. The first mention of the church, which we will talk about being the modern-day church, is in the, in the New Testament is Matthew chapter 16. And this is Jesus talking to Peter, and he says, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. On this rock I will build my church. So the Greek word translated to church here is ecclesia, ecclesia, which means a calling out. That is a popular meeting, especially a religious congregation, an assembly. And what it really means is a meeting, a, a group of people who get together, they're the called out ones, the called out ones. And Jesus changed everything when he came, right? We just went through a series this summer about the Sermon on the Mount that was counterculture, and Jesus just changed everything. Well, it was no different with the church. He was saying that the church is no longer a building. A church is the gathering of my people. It's when we gather together, there he will be. That was the beginning of the church. Now, after Jesus' death, the disciples were gathered together, most likely in the upper room, the room where Jesus um, washed the disciples' feet and had the first communion, the Last Supper. And guess what happens during that time? Jesus, Jesus shows up. This is John chapter 20, verse 19. It says, On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, and that was in the upper room, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. So as they gathered together for that church meeting, that first church meeting, Jesus shows up. And later, after Jesus is taken into heaven, the disciples returned to Jerusalem and continued to meet together in this room. Acts chapter 1 says, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So the disciples are gathering together, and they're praying together, and they're worshiping. And then the day of Pentecost comes. I mean, if you know a little bit of the Old Testament, you know what happened. The day of Pentecost comes. Let me read what happened. And when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Again, they're meeting together. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on them, on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. When they were meeting together, God's presence, God's presence shows up in the form of the Holy Spirit. Because God wants to be with us when we meet together. Now, at that point, Peter preached this wonderful message, and thousands of people became followers of Jesus. Well, they could no longer meet in the upper room, right? There's too many of them. And so in Acts chapter 2, verse 46, it says, Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. This is Solomon's colonnade is where they began to meet. They broke in their homes and ate bread with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. 
So the church is now meeting outside of the temple because they can't fit in any room anywhere. So they're all meeting together. They're doing miracles. People are coming to know Jesus. They're joining this big old assembly of believers. And then, of course, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law got jealous. The same thing that happened when Jesus was alive. And they commanded them to no longer preach, to no longer talk in Jesus' name, arrested them a couple of times, flogged them, tried to get them to stop. And eventually, they actually had Stephen, the apostle, uh, stoned to death. And persecution broke out on this assembly of believers. And so that many of them left Jerusalem. They just decided persecutions here, let's go to the surrounding towns. And they went to the surrounding towns. They, be, they continued to speak about what they had seen and heard. They were evangelizing these other communities. And so we know what happened. More converts happened. More Christians came around. And so they began to meet together. And so the church expanded from one meeting in Jerusalem to dozens. And now thousands and thousands of meetings together on Sunday mornings, just like we're doing today, some on Saturday nights, some on Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, all around the world, there are groups of people meeting together, and that is the church. That is the church. And when we meet together, Scripture says, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. And God is showing up every day when we're meeting together and joining his church. Now, I don't have time to talk about the first century church and how we got to uh, the Vineyard Movement and, and everything else that's happening today, but I am going to send out an email. Actually, it's going out tomorrow in our newsletter that we send out um, with a link to a 15-minute video by Alan Parr. Uh, he has an a online video show called The Beat, and he does a really good job of giving an overview of the history of the church in about 15 minutes. So it'll be worth your time to watch that and kind of fill in you know, what happened from the first century up until today. And by the way, if you haven't given us your email address yet, uh, just fill out one of those cards, put your email address on it, and then you'll get a copy of that tomorrow. The original intent of the church, though, was for God to meet with his people. It started in a tent. It ended up in this glorious temple. And now it's wherever Jesus' followers gather together, that's where God is. Hebrews 10, 24, let me read this again. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Guys, I believe that we are to not give up meeting together. In fact, it says, and all the more. I mean, all the more we need to meet together. And yet in our culture today, I mean, there, is so much, there are so many voices saying that this is not a safe place to be. That you shouldn't meet in groups. That's the most dangerous place to be. You should isolate yourself. You should stay home by yourself. And I really believe that that is the work of the enemy. Yes, I mean, there are some medical issues that we need to be aware of. But the enemy knows that if he can separate us, get us off by ourselves, then we're more likely to fall under attack, right? Because I've never been in a day and age where there's so much pressure 
not to meet. And there is so much pressure not to meet anymore. We have distractions. You know, we have Netflix can stream a billion shows that we all want to see and watch, and it's available right there every single day, even Sunday mornings. And when I grew up, I mean, nothing happened on Sundays because everyone knew there was no sports, there were no clubs, there was no meetings because it allowed for people to go to church. And that's just not the case today. I mean, there are leagues that are only happening on Sunday mornings for our kids to be part of. And if we want our kids to be successful in sports, they have to join these these Sunday leagues. But there's so much pressure for us not to meet. And there is so much negative uh, outcome. There's such a negative outcome when we don't meet. That's our second point. We should not give up meeting together because isolation is deadly. Isolation is deadly. You know, 2020 will be known as the year of COVID, but it could just as well be known as the year of isolation. Never in modern history have so many people spent so much time alone. And it's been negative. It's had a negative impact on our culture. Now, the introverts in here today are going, maybe not so much for me, but you know, there's a big difference between quality alone time and forced isolation. And so many people are in forced isolation or have been in forced isolation. There was an article that I found this week called The Implications of COVID-19 for Mental Health and Substance Abuse. Let me read this. The COVID-19 pandemic and the resulting economic recession have negatively affected many people's mental health and created new barriers for people already suffering from mental illness and substance use disorders. During the pandemic, about four in 10 adults in the U.S., have reported symptoms of anxiety or depressive disorder. A share that has been largely consistent, up from one in 10 adults who reported these symptoms from January to June 2019. So did you catch that? It went from 10% to 40%, which means many of us in this room struggled with depression or anxiety this past year. And I would say a big reason for that is because of our isolation. We were separated. We were left alone with our thoughts. And I don't know about, I don't know about you, but being alone with my thoughts isn't always a good thing. It's better to be with each other, to be with people. There was a South Bend Tribune news story recently that was talking about the number of people who overdosed um, and died in St. Joe County in 2020, there were 83 people who overdosed and died compared to 35 in 2019. So more than double the number of people overdosed. And they had, they put a pair of shoes on the courthouse steps to represent every life that was lost in 2020 because of an overdose. And I would say that the reason for the overdose was because they were trying to medicate anxiety and depression. It's not been good for us to be alone. It's not been good for us to be alone. It's an attack of the enemy. So here's my encouragement to each one of us. Be committed to your church family. Come every week. The good news is that in the body of Christ, you don't have to be alone. You don't have to be isolated. 
You can have community in the church family. And that was the original creation because God knew, Jesus knew that it was going to be hard. To be a follower of Christ is not an easy thing. It wasn't an easy thing in the first century. It's not an easy thing today. And he knew, Jesus knew that we need to meet together. We need to be in community. And it's really easy after we haven't been together for a while to forget the benefit of the church. I remember when I had COVID, I was out for two weeks. I missed two Sundays. And then on the third Sunday, I I remember walking across the parking lot by myself. I came in early uh, before anyone else was here. And I remember thinking, why do we do this? I mean, why do I get up early? Why do I work on a message? Why do I walk in here by myself? And uh, after I started greeting people, after I started worshiping together with all of you, and we had a message and we had people praying afterwards, I remember walking out a couple hours later and I said, that's why we do this. That's why we do this. But I'm a pastor and it only took me two weeks to forget why we do it. Just think about all the people who haven't been to church since the pandemic began or they missed months or weeks at a time. It's so easy to forget why we do this. Why do we get up early? Why do we sacrifice our time, our money, our energy to be part of a church family knowing it's not going to be perfect because it's the design of Christ because he knows what we need and he knows that we need each other. So be committed. Come every week. Join a home group. If you're a young adult, come on Wednesday nights to to young adults. Serve on a team. Actually, every Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, we open up the church for an hour of just worship and prayer. And you guys are welcome. If you're like, I just need a midweek pick-me-up, come on Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock. We won't bother you. We'll just let you sit there. But we need, to, we need each other. We need to be in community. And not just us. There is a world that is hurting. Our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, those that we go to school with. They may look fine on the outside, but isolation, it, it, it eats you up on the inside. You can put a smile on your face And act like everything's okay, but if you're alone day after day after day, if you don't have healthy community, and I say with a church family, uh, it will eat at them. And so we need to be inviting them, bringing them. The church in uh, 2021 is very different than the church in 2019. In 2019, there is really this mindset that, you know, you build it, they will come. You just advertise, you put on social media, and people will come. But there's been so much talk against the church, and people are apprehensive. That's just not the way it works anymore. So even though there are thousands of people in our community that would benefit from being part of a church family, they're not going to risk it. They're not going to try it in 2021. But you know what they will do? They will come with you because they're starving for relationship. They're starving for community. So if you offer friendship, if you offer relationship, if you offer community to them, they will say yes. And I think they'll say yes more often than not uh, anymore because we have a world that's hurting. 
And here at Lighthouse and in many of the churches in our community, we are offering the solution to what they're hurting from. That's Jesus Christ, the truth of the gospel. So our word for 2021 is go, if you guys remember that, go into all the world and make disciples. It's about telling people about the good news. And uh, for our baptism service, we had these t-shirts designed that say for the one on them. And that has a, a double meaning. One is to live our lives for the one true king. That's part of it. And the other reason is to live our lives for the one who is lost, the one who is hurting, the one who hasn't found Jesus yet. And we need to be living for God and we need to be living for others. And this year is that reminder to be living for others because we are the light of the world. We have what the world needs and we should not be keeping it to ourselves. So let's personally commit to being part of a church family. And if it's not here, make sure you have a church family. Find one and be involved. And then secondly, let's tell people about Jesus. Let's invite them to church. Let's invite them to be part of this community. Here's your last fill-in. In In 2021, let's not forget the one. I can't imagine going through this past year by myself. I'm so glad I didn't have to because of all of you. So let's not forget the one. All right, I'm going to invite Will to come up here. He's going to lead us in a closing song. And you guys can stay seated while he sings this. I just really want you to contemplate the words. It's a song about community, how God wants to have communion with us. So just consider those. Let me pray. So Father, I thank you for every single person who is here today. It is not an accident that they are here. And Lord, I pray that every single person finds community, finds a church family. Lord, my my prayer is that it is here. But even if it's not, Lord, I pray that they have a church home where they can have genuine relationships. And they can spur one another spur one another on toward love and good deeds and encourage one another. So be with us now as Will sings in Jesus' name. Amen. That's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.